friends in the eye and go, every decision that we're making is made for the right reasons in terms of transparency and, and for purity and so on. So we felt that we had a team that could help maybe, um, uh, to sort of navigate these kind of paths for some, some other artists and maybe even some older artists. You know, we, when, when we meet a lot of older artists, uh, and we're obviously among them, but we meet, Guys, even a, a generation or two older than us, for instance, when we made that record with Lou Reed uh, 10 years ago, every day we would hear stories from Lou about how much he got fucked over by the business, you know, in the 60s mm. and the 70s. All the artists were literally at the bottom of the food chain after the, the managers, the, the, the promoters, the T-shirt people, the agents. I mean, the last people on the totem pole were the artists that throw them like a you know, car once in a while and then, you know, they'd, then they'd go away, but they all just got <laughs> fucked. And our friends in Black Sabbath have told us different, uh, similar stories. And you just hear so much. It wasn't really until the eighties when the artists started kind of taking the power back and being a little more, uh, in control of, of what they were doing. And, and we figured if we can help make a difference at some level with other artists that have been screwed over, then, uh, that's a good thing and a, and a way to contribute. James, do you think Bob Rock should have sold the rights to his portion of the Black Album to you, uh, to the band? Um, would, would that be something you would have been interested in? That's a good question. I, I had no clue that mm. he was doing that. And, you know, he owns it. He could do what he wants with it. And right. um, I'm sure he had lots of advice from people. But um, I don't know. I don't know if we would have bought it. We want to buy Yummy Yummy, you know? Come on. No, no listen. I, I could see Metallica presents Mambo Number no. 5. It would be, uh, it would be, it would be unreal. It really would. I think ha so, Happy Birthday is probably yeah. pretty popular. <laughs> That's the one. Song. Let's do that one. <laughs> Metallica's remastered Black Album box set is available in record stores. You can stream the Metallica Blacklist tomorrow, which is going to be amazing. It's all these different artists who uh, take Metallica songs like Weezer did enter Sandman. Uh, it's great. It's a great. It's a great concept. You like those guys? Hey, you know who you guys uh, got to do? Um, um, a sad but true was. Um, I love these guys. The uh, Royal Blood. The two guys who. They, it's yeah. a two. It's a two man band. A bass player and a drummer. Right. The the band. Yeah. The absolute coolest. When their first record came out five six years ago, my whole family. <laughs> fell in love with that that record and my oldest son there was about five people in america who knew about royal blood and my oldest son basically started a royal blood cover band they played like three quarters <laughs> of that album like yeah. in their bedroom when when he was like 15 16 it's pretty crazy yeah. but you know it's interesting have you heard have you heard um have you heard uh because Sad But True is, is, is the song we're going to play. Um, but have you heard the Sam Fender version and the Jason I, Isbell version of these of songs? Just That's a great example to me, the one I've been telling people about, uh, sort of the, 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 the scale of the diversity. If yeah. You, if, do you have the Sam Fender one there? I um, don't have that here. I, I, I was even but, thinking about the... Um the Chris Stapleton uh, a version yes, of yeah. uh, Nothing Else Matters. I heard that on the matters. radio last night. Fucking great. Yeah. Yes. This is really an exciting kind of thing that's going on here. That's Chris Stapleton. I like that. You know what this reminded me of? When you guys cover Bob Seger's Turn the Page. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting to hear how different that is from what Miley just sang, right? Yeah. yeah it's great. So these two, these all these projects are coming out of Metallica and, of course, the Black Album. What can we do to wind up, guys? What song are you going to do to uh, just celebrate the album, the release of the album yeah, 30 years about, ago? Uh, Black, uh, Black, we talked about uh, Sapper True. Uh, Sapper True. That's Such true. a great song. Sad but true. Um, anything you want to say about this song before you perform it? I know you've done it a, a bunch of times, and it's just a great way to remember the album, remember this song, remember the well, remember all of the work. But uh, this is such a good song. Um, yeah. Anything come like to Lars mind? was saying? This was one of the first riffs that Bob Rock heard, and he was like, "This is amazing." It's like, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> we didn't it know. Was, 
Yeah, thanks for telling me, okay? You know, but, you know, it speaks for itself. And tuning it down, just, uh, this is a fun song to play. It's, this is the Do You Want Heavy song. This is what does that mean? One of our heavy songs. What does that mean when you say <laughs> tuning it down? It was a big deal for you guys. You had never tuned down before. We're not guitar players. What does that mean? You're taking the, the, the low string and tuning it down in pitch so it gets lower and heavier. And, and mm. in, in this song, we tune down all the strings, all six of the strings, so it's lower and heavier in pitch. Yeah, a wow. lot of the grunge bands were just doing a drop D where they'd take the top E and yeah, drop just it the down. Six string. And uh, open D. Open D chord, in other words. They would well, that's what kinda, they would do. Yeah, it was right. the kind of easy way to play a, a a riff. Um we just took everything down. It's like, well, if one string's good, let's take them all down. <laughs> and that's what we did. <laughs> Whose idea was that? To take all the strings down? Well, I uh, probably the guy tuning our guitars. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> probably a mistake. It was I mean, probably a great mistake. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a guitar player, but it seems like a pretty wild thing to do. You've been playing the guitar a certain way, and then everyone says, "Well, just let's drop all the strings down and play it." Uh, it, it, do, it well, do you remember, like, James, when we were writing it? Yeah. Was it was it written in that tuning, or was it written in E, and then we tuned it down great later? Great question. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with singing sometimes, like. I can't sing it that high, so let's drop it down a little bit. And uh, and sometimes when you tune it too low, it's like you have to actually sing higher. Um, it it kind of gets mathy, but um, it's all about feel. Yeah. And I'm sure we tried it straight, regular tuning, and then dropped down, and we said, uh, you know, we said the riff sounds better that way. That's usually how it ends up. It's it's uh, you know it's a taste test. Pepsi Challenge, whatever you want to call it. This sounds better than that. At the end of the day, you know, what sounds better? Yeah, it's a lot, not a lot of the about stuff comes my together. idea or your idea at all. A lot of the stuff comes together in the studio. Uh, hey, yeah, but, I got but, that. somebody's got an idea. Let's try it this way. And also with these songs that you guys put together all those years ago, it was weird for you guys as a band to record them all in the same room together. This was the first time you had done that? That was the first time, yeah. It was always... I find that... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was, I find it was that kind of hard to James believe. Yeah. yeah, but that's what we were talking about earlier. Um, and 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 I'm not exaggerating that point for effect. The objective. So we wrote we wrote songs, we wrote an album, and the objective in the recording studio was to execute. The, it was just to execute that in in a in a perfect way. There was no, we didn't care about mood or feel or what the vibe was or i mean there was none of that you know we would just would start with a drum track and it was just james and i and james was patient enough and i'd play you know and then you know halfway through the second chorus or whatever it's like there'd be a mistake then we'd go back and punch in at the beginning of the second chorus and then we'd get to the end of the guitar solo and then we'd punch in there it was like um it was like um it was like sounds like a, factory work. It was like a practice. Yeah, yeah, but 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 yeah. As, yeah. as silly as that sounds, it it was really just a practical process. But there was nothing until we sat with Bob, who said, you know, faster, slower, make it, you know, swing, make it swagger, give it some soul. That didn't have the right attitude. We had never been exposed to any of that, and it just so opened our eyes to a whole different way of doing it. Wow. Well. Let's celebrate the album with uh, this performance. Here's the boys in Metallica uh, playing live for you on a special show. Uh, Sad but true. Great song.
Still have it, boys. Wow. It's still there, so man. Fun. The magic is yeah. there. Wow, is that something. What a great song. What a great album. We're celebrating with Metallica. 30 years since the Black Album was put out. I, You know, I, I spent a lot of time listening to this album. I'm thinking about just the first side alone. It go, here, think about this. Enter Sandman. Right? 
Then you go into Sad But True. Then Holier Than Thou. The Unforgiven. An amazing accomplishment. Wherever I may roam. And then that first side finishes off with Don't Tread on Me. It is a musical, it's really musical genius. It is something. What an accomplishment. It is, and that live performance was fantastic. I, I, it just, the, uh, the, the, that lead guitar is just something else, Kirk, when you fucking well on that thing. It must, it, it's just, it's fa- When do you know you're a professional musician, Kirk? And I, I mean, I don't mean any a funny, I don't need a funny answer like uh, I just realized it yesterday. Uh, How do you when know they, when you're playing on a level that is good enough for a professional uh, musician level, a master level? How do you know? When people get up and walk out of the room. <laughs> because that they're jealous? You're, you're moving. No, that, mean, that means you're moving someone emotionally with your playing, whether it's good or bad. You know, that's, for me, that was when I, I felt like I was actually reaching a point where I was communicating with my instrument because I was driving my parents and my sister crazy all the time. And I was loving it. I was loving it. No, I, what I'm saying is you, you practiced and practiced and practiced. You drove your parents crazy. You drove your sister crazy. You start to play in bands in high school, I imagine, and try to find anybody who will play with you. But there comes a time where you say to yourself, I'm good enough to make a career out of this, right? There's a moment maybe. Yeah. Was there one moment where you said, I think I can do this and make a living at it? Yes. And that was when I was able to put on a Thin Lizzy album and play an entire song from beginning to end. Uh-huh. And then, and then like literally the next day, I went to this drummer's house and we played the exact same song, him and I together. And it was the most amazing feeling, Howard. It was a total accomplishment. It felt like I, it, uh, the same feeling when you get, when you learn how to ride a bike. You know, I can do this. Now I can do this. I've seen other people do it. Now I can do it. What, what was think? the Thin Lizzy song? Uh, it was a song called Johnny off uh, 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 Johnny the Fox. And, and it you... was an obscure Thin Lizzy song. <laughs> And you were able to stand there and like without like looking at sheet music or 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 fucking up. In other words, it it, it flowed. It, you could really nail yeah. the song. Well, I played it a, a, a literally like fifty times that day. You know, once I I learned the song, it was just over and over again, repetition because I loved it so much. You know, and I loved the processes of playing the beginning all the way through to the end and stopping and then starting over again because I didn't have that within any sort of like songs. I could play parts of Jimi Hendrix songs, Almond Brothers, Led Zeppelin, but it was that one Thin Lizzy song I could play from start to finish. And I've only been playing for about maybe a month or so, but I could play it right. Also, that was a big thing too. I played it correctly. And, you know, it's, it's just, you just know inside. I mean, it's like, it's like, for instance, you know, when did you know that you, you, would, you would become a DJ? When did you get that initial feeling? There's something, there's a spark inside. It's in your heart or it's in your mind or something. You just know, I can do this. And you feel like there's the possibilities are uh, like literally being laid out in front of you in that moment. You know, all the future possibilities. So young, some young kid listen to this now. It's 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 not only about desire. It's about just it's it's about sheer will. It's about like I gotta yes. get this. I I can yes. make myself into a professional yes. musician. And though most importantly, or equally as importantly, inspiration. You know, wanting to do it and and seeing yourself being creatively engaged and artistically engaged in what you're doing and seeing the potential of that. Uh, with with yourself in the future and yeah it's a big thing but you know i really felt good the very first time i ever got paid i got mm. paid like 15 bucks me and me and a bunch of guys played a house party and we got 60 dollars and we split it all up and <laughs> bought beer and that was the greatest thing <laughs> that is mind-blowing right the first time someone pays you to yeah, perform I believe it i mean it was just like really i that was so easy and on top of it i got 15 bucks in my pocket <laughs> oh, so I went geez. up, bought some beer, you know, like all 
all young musicians probably remember that time we were at the uh, it was the end we've been out opening uh, for Aussie for about what five six months in America on the Master Puppets tour it was the first time we were out playing arenas we were I mean it was not possible to have a better time we're out there with Aussie uh, we're getting into all corners of America playing our music to 10 15 20,000 people every night I mean literally just fucking kids in a candy store at the last show in wherever it was it was Virginia so, you know, uh, our manager came out and we're sitting on the back line of our bus that we're all sleeping on traveling on and he said um, when you get back from this tour you'll all have enough money to buy a house Remember that? And we all sat and go, what? What? It was like, yeah. we're, we're, we're just out here doing this for the fun of it. And right. we're having such a great together? time. And then we also get a house. You know, like, fuck, You're like, like the Beatles, you'll all sleep together yeah, in the same yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Metallica uh, it was house. Like so surreal. It's like, yeah. fuck, we also get paid for this? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. So crazy. Because Cliff Burton said something really funny afterwards. He said, yeah, I'm going to buy a house and buy a gun that shoots knives and shoot at the walls. <laughs> wow! I'll never forget that—a gun that shoots knives. Wow! Why would you want that? It's called a what? Cliff Burton. It's called a crossbow. It's like uh, exactly. Well, a, you know, had a that was chaotic a, that, mind that was, sometimes. Yeah. Cliff in a nutshell. Very creative. Yeah. Yes. Well, boys, this is a great day. Um, you know, there's so many things to tell you. You know, I read a story about you guys when I was just thinking about doing this interview and. Um, I read something crazy that you guys would smash up dressing rooms just because you, you felt like that's what you were supposed to do. You didn't realize that it would cost you money, but you had probably <laughs> worshipped a bunch of bands. And Tell, uh, tell, uh, you read... <laughs> tell Howard the Bill Graham story. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> throwing TVs out of, uh, of, of, of hotels, that was... Just all the stuff we read in, like, Cream Magazine or the stuff back in the day of, you know, Led Zeppelin and, you know, uh, right. getting away with, with all kinds of chaos. Uh, we felt that that was, well, that is what you're supposed to do on tour. So it, it was, uh, I think, probably more in the Jägermeister days. Of, right. Um, me and a few buddies would get together and... You know, we would just be that that stuff made us crazy, like really crazy. Um, well, what do you mean? Story, what do you mean? Story with uh, Bill Graham. Remember, Bill Graham was like the legendary promoter that yeah. took yeah. the Rolling Stones on tour. I mean, he was the first. Fillmore East, West. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the yeah. first. So he, he basically ran San Francisco, obviously in the best of ways. And the first big show that we played, uh, we got to open for. We're there. So the legendary shows back then, remember all those stadium gigs in the 70s at Aerosmith and Blue Oyster Cult and Leonard Skinner and everybody would show up. on. so we got, they were called Day on the Green and they were an institution in San Francisco. They would have two or three of them every year. Kirk used to go to them. Uh, Cliff used to go to them. So we got invited to play our first Day on the Green in 1985. It was the Scorpions and... Darken and a whole bunch of bands and we were we were uh you know playing at 10 o'clock in the morning when they were opening the gates and people were coming in but we were having a great time and we were uh, hanging out and 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 by the time the day was done we were all obviously completely ripped out of our minds and the dressing room got a got a beaten took a beaten and then you were summoned <laughs> a redecoration a, a redecoration and then james on monday morning was summoned to Bill Graham's office to uh, get the finger whack from from the legendary man himself, and um, it was yeah. He was kind of uh, like the Papa Bear, you know, trying to help all these bands, you know, really sixties, seventies hippie stuff, and you know, it was all about love and helping people out. And we're in there smashing his dressing room up, and for some reason, <laughs> this watermelon has to go through that little vent into the next room. You know, it just has to. Okay. James, why? So why though? It. And but, I mean, look, we had purposes. no clue that you know. Oh, there's a show the next day. These other bands have to use this trailer. It's like, uh oh. Um, yeah, I got I got the call into Bill's office, uh, and it was. It's like I'm not going to this, and management's like, you you need to. We need this guy. He's 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 got a lot of 
pull, and we need him in the Bay Area. This is where you guys live. You got to clean up this mess. Like, oh, okay. Could so Bill get and- James? Could Bill get through to you, or were you such an angry young man that, like, even it's like, hey, fuck this guy. I'll go listen to him. But uh, I'm, you know, who gives a shit what he has to say? In other words, could anyone? Could anyone have really gotten through to you at that point in your life? Well, obviously, management did by saying, yeah. you know, hey, this is this is a mess you got to clean up on your own. You're screwing the band up here. It's like, oh, okay, that that's important. That got to me. And um, but when I went in, he said, you know, who, who who do you think you are? You know, you could think you could do whatever you want. And he says, you know, I'll just tell my secretary to come in here and you know bark like a dog or whatever. You know, all this stuff. It's like, yeah. That'd be funny. Let's do that. You know, it's like no. Why did you think? Why did you think you were entitled to do that? Why do you seriously? Why do you think like you? You you know, at that point in your life, you said, "Fuck this! I can do whatever I want." Yeah, I wasn't thinking of anybody else. It was me and the Jaeger and my buddies, and this is what we want to do, and this is how we celebrate life (laughs) by smashing someone else's stuff. You know, do you ever shudder at night? I'm being serious. Like, what if you had I don't know what it's like to physically pull a TV out of the wall and throw it out a window. But do you ever like sit there and go, oh, my God, what if that TV had fallen on a human being and I killed them my whole life? I might have ended up in prison and I never would have been in Metallica. Do you ever think seriously think about that every day? With pretty much every action I did back then, you know, whether it right. was, you know, hopping behind the wheel when you're intoxicated or, you know, trying to tackle a fire hydrant in the, you know, I don't know, just all the stupid stuff that we did. Yeah. I'm super grateful that we are standing here alive and yeah. being able to play and realize that, okay, there's some things that are regrettable. I got to let them go. I can I can clean all that stuff up, but at the end of the day, Bill Graham was certainly one of those guys that I respect because he took the time. He took mm-hmm. the time and effort to say, "Hey, yeah. yeah. Uh you are cared about and I seen I've seen this. I've seen this happen. I've had this same talk with Keith Moon and Sid Vicious." I've had right. the same talk with those two guys, and I think, uh, okay, thanks, bye, and I walk out, and then I'm thinking, all right, I got to go back in. I'll walk back in, and I said, you know, uh, thank you. You know, my dad has never had talks with me about this. I had really no guidance. And right. Thank you, and I will... I will take this to heart and I will respect what you said and do my best. And the next time I remember we played in town, he had the whole backstage <laughs> covered in visqueen, which is clear plastic. <laughs> right. I mean, everything. Right, yeah. And duct tape. Everything. Yeah. The whole, all the walls, and duct tape. Uh, our guitars, I mean, the food, uh, TVs, everything was covered. <laughs> and then I got it. It's like, this guy's not only cool, but he's got a great sense of humor, too. But yeah. I think also, yeah. if, if I can just throw in, I, I think, you know, when I think back to those early days, I mean, so much of our fuel came from being contrary and from being, you know, we were all outsiders. We, we didn't belong anywhere. The only thing we had was each other. And, and there was, just a few of us like-minded. We, we we were all loners, disenfranchised, ostracized, whatever words you want to put to it. And and so there was this whole thing about fueling off the energy of the establishment, you know, in a contrary way. You know what I mean? Right. And so the music business at that time was you're supposed to write three-minute songs that go on FM radio and AOR, and you're supposed to look like this, and you're supposed to, you know, all that stuff. And Every th- every fiber of Metallica's DNA for the first few years was to just give the middle finger to what it was supposed to be, and so we we just acted contrary to everything. If people said yeah. go left, we'd go right. If people said behave, then we didn't behave. If people said you know whatever, all of that fueled us, and that was the that was the scene that that we came out of. And then the crazy thing happened. Uh, along the years is that as the music that we were making 
uh, became available to more and more people up through the 80s, all of a sudden, it was like, holy fuck, there's thousands and thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people out there like us. And that, all of a sudden, by the time the Black Album showed up 10 years later, kind of became the mainstream. You know what yeah. I mean? So well, in that's... my mind, in my mind, when I think back to that, you know, the, the great thing is that the Black Album was our fifth album. But when the Black Album finally came, it wasn't so much Metallica moving to the mainstream. It was the mainstream moving to Metallica and moving out further. This was the same time. I mean, that same year, somebody sent me uh, like a screenshot or a meme or whatever these things are called like a couple of weeks ago of the Black Album, uh, Nevermind, Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, the Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion albums, uh, the Pearl Jam album, the first Pearl Jam album, and Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger, they all came out within one month of each other. Isn't wow. that crazy to think about? That now? is. And, and so at that time, there was a whole, there was a whole seismic shift happening in, in the way that music was getting out to people because the, the, the MTV hair metal and all that was kind of going away. And all of a sudden, all the 15-year-old kids were embracing something that was way more real and way more like who they were rather than, than these prepackaged, you know, record company created products. So it was a really interesting summer. And again, when I saw, you know, Nirvana and all that coming out right at the same time, and it was a fucking, it was a, a crazy time. It really was. Yeah, because what you're mentioning is every one of those bands, and especially Metallica, stuck to their guns. And I said this at the beginning when we were just starting this today. I said, thank God you stuck to your guns. And, and you know, really musically and even image-wise, believed in yourself enough not to bow to whatever the current thing was. Otherwise, this album that we're celebrating today never would have come about if you had kowtowed to the uh, the establishment who tell you how to make an album or what to sound like and uh let me let, 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 let's just say this it's an amazing accomplishment i'm glad i got to celebrate it with you guys and um i i want to say that um there's two projects going on for metallica right now one of the projects is the the celebration of the uh 30th anniversary of the black album being remastered there's a box set it's uh it's out on special vinyl it's uh it's it's great and then there's this whole other project um called uh, the blacklist which um, is everyone uh, covering the Black Album, and it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, I particularly enjoyed Weezer and Royal Blood, like I said before. I like uh, Corey Taylor and um, Phoebe Bridgers did a beautiful version of Nothing Else Matters. I started to play the Chris Stapleton thing. There's so much to cover that we can't do it all in one show, but all of the profits from the Blacklist will go to Metallica, uh, their their charity, uh, All Within My Hands Foundation. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, so all that money is, is being donated and it's a great project and you, and you guys, I think will love some of these cover versions because it points out what a great band this is musically, that these songs can be, uh, converted into, uh, just all different types of music and all different types of genres. So I, I love that and I love you guys. And I want to thank Miley Cyrus, uh, for doing that, uh, beautiful version yeah. earlier and really right. helping the band celebrate, um, this music. And the idea that different artists can do it. And Elton John uh, doing piano on uh, The Blacklist. Uh, Elton's got an album out, too, with, with uh, the Miley song on it. So it's really great. It's a great collaboration. And, and really, who would have thought we'd be standing here with Metallica today? Uh, the band that had to get lectured by Metallica, the band that would punch each other in the face. and right, right, like, like, like Lars, one time James hit you in the face because uh, he didn't That's like right. the way you performed. I mean, yeah. Jesus. That's right. Talk, talk about the good old days. By the way, <laughs> an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But fact, I mean, send me that anus, you know. Now I'm going to send you the anus. <laughs> yeah. That's the asshole, right? There. Lars, does he? <laughs> Lars, when he punches you in the face, when James punches you in the face, is, can he throw a punch, or is it really not that bad? Oh God. Um. <laughs> I. It was. Uh, I l let's put it this way. This will answer your question. We were playing, uh, I think just down the street from here, we were at the Troubadour, or I think it was the Troubadour, right? It was the first show uh, where we ever, at least in our minds, got an encore. Yeah. We were we were <laughs> six, nine months into our career. We got an encore. So we're standing off stage discussing what song to play, and there, let's just say there was a differences of opinion. <laughs> so I, suge I suggested a song that started with drums. So uh, James suggested something else. We went back up on stage, 
and I started the song that started with drums. <laughs> and um, and so when I, we came off, uh, I got a, uh, a, a a slight punch in the uh, in the stomach. Uh, I oh, did stomach. Uh, stand up for the rest of the night. I, however, I, I think for for balance. I will say that uh, throughout the rest of the 80s, uh, James helped me in many situations uh, when I, uh, I, I had a little bit of a, of a big mouth and, and could definitely throw the best smart-ass comments back to people. And there were a couple times uh, when the beer and, and the good times were flowing where I would say the wrong thing to the wrong people, but still they were really funny. And 30 years later... Uh, they still, uh, sound bites, uh, you know, elicit chuckles when you tell the story, but James was always there as my big brother. Uh, he had I, your back. I would, I would, I would usually just run, you know, uh, <laughs> I'd just fucking take off, but then James would clean it up for me and throw a few punches at some of these other guys, whether they were bouncers or, or, you know, uh, you know, James, where did you learn to fight? Whatever it was, you know. <laughs> well, how did you know how to fight so well? Uh, was this a, something taught or you just uh, had a lot of fights in your uh, life? I don't know how to fight at all. I, I really don't. I just have attitude fueled by yeah. Jägermeister. He had the mouth and I had the doctor no yeah it was right. it was quite a deadly yeah. combination punches but, thrown by, by Jägermeister. yeah it was it was bad wouldn't you worry uh, about your hands though i mean as a guitar player no. no hell no you don't Make care about anything man you don't Come think on. about that man. <laughs> uh, remember yeah. the metallica remastered deluxe box set includes listen to this this is a this is a hefty package the black album on vinyl and cd a sad but true picture disc, three live LPs, 14 CDs, six DVDs of unreleased content, tour laminates, a lanyard, uh, lithographs, guitar picks, a lyric folder, and a 120-page book with never-before-seen be uh, photos and stories. Boys, this is... I would need a truck to uh, carry this around. Am I correct? Yeah. You get a truck, too. The it's guy a, get a truck. We're all, truck. We're all looking at each other going, what is all this? We, there's, right. a, there's a guy out here in the in the corridor named Mark who who is giving away all our stuff. <laughs> giving, hey, hey, Mark, <laughs> Mark <laughs> can you can you come in here and justify what all this is? <laughs> well, anyway, boys, congratulations on a great accomplishment. Thirty years of the Black Album. It is one of my favorite albums, and everybody agrees with me. It's a masterpiece. Um, uh, but get their box set. Um, in fact, included in the box set, I should have mentioned this. James will throw a TV set at you if you pick up one of these. <laughs> <laughs> he will throw the it out his window and hope it hits you. When you open the it, you get through the, it's just going to be a Nerf TV. So it'll bounce. Yeah. I, I yeah. like the watermelon through the air vent. That one yeah. I, I never heard. Through there. <laughs> did, that, did that actually happen? It did. Oh, oh yeah, God. it did. You, you know what? I lay awake at night. I'll just, I'll end by saying this. I lay awake at night. I, I was in college and I did four hits of LSD one night, which is not prescribed. You, if you do one, it's bad enough, but I didn't understand how you take this stuff. And I took a four way hit and I, I almost at least once a day, it'll flash through my mind that I came dangerously close to losing my mind, that I, I would have been institutionalized. It was that bad. And I go, you know, thank God that didn't happen to me. I, I somehow recovered from this. It took me about a month. And then I swore off all drugs. And, and there are moments like that that you go, he's just a stupid kid. I could have fucked up my whole life. And, and that's what I think you're talking about when you throw a TV out the window or you're, or you're doing something crazy on Jaeger, you know. It, it's, it's astounding that we survive these things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I just anyway. say, Howard, um, thank you for uh, all your support. It was great to see you last year in the middle of pandemic from yeah. HQ. And, and thank you for Same. doing this, Robin. Thank you. And can I just say, uh, Jess and I, I was supposed to say this, uh, Jess and I have been following Sparrow's uh, Instagram story. And we're happy that uh, Sparrow's with her forever family now. So uh, tell that to, to Beth, please. I'm going what, to. What a, yeah. what a great story. She's blind and deaf. Well, I'm sure the rest of Metallica might not care about no this, but it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, but 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 the, I know Lars is, and his wife are very into animal rescue and stuff. But uh, we we do a lot of animal rescue, and people are such scumbags. This uh, woman, I don't know what she was doing in her house, but she was breeding cats. Like we need more, you know, it's ridiculous. But she goes away, she locks them in a cage, and puts heating lamps on them. 
And uh, these these poor cats, they were in there. There was no food for two weeks. And then she burned their eyes out and they have no oh, hearing. Stop, stop. Their hearing was gone and their eyes are burned out. And my wife took in this cat Sparrow who this happened to and it was really emotional. Uh, she's now living in her forever home. And, and it was a whole long saga, but, uh, it, you know, it, it was just so what sad. A beautiful creature she was. Oh, she is. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for but, doing uh, that. Yeah, no, we're happy to do it. Listen. You guys, congratulations on the Black Album. It is, it is one of the most spectacular albums in rock history, and I'm so glad we got to celebrate it. And now I'm going to go yes, take my nap. this has been fun. This has been <laughs> right. nothing but Thanks, fun. Robin. By the Great way. to be back with you guys again. Thank you. Uh, let me mention to you, for those who don't know, during Sad But True, Robin did take her top off, which is uh, tremendous. <laughs> well, you know, just for good old, you know, the old days, you know. <laughs> the old days. I swung it above my head, you know, my bra. <laughs> Yeah, she did it all for you guys. She was 100% behind that. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just great to see you guys. Big fan of the of the band. And thank you again to Elton John and Miley Cyrus. What a great afternoon. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you. Uh, that's it, I guess, right? Anybody want to say anything? Robert, you've been quiet. What's going on, man? No, I've been absorbing this great morning, and what a tremendous uh, moment, not only to perform with Miley, but to see Elton John. I mean, yeah. it's just incredible, you know. Come on, Rob, tell words. one more story. Come on, you've got... You, well, I met Elton Rob's, John. Rob's got well, nothing but stories. Come on. Uh, uh, quick, Go ahead, Rob. I met Elton John. I was uh, selling uh, uh, subscriptions to the L.A. Times. I was about 12 years old, and we were in this big station wagon uh, right down the street uh, here in, uh, I guess it would be Studio City. And we pull up to this gas station. We see this limousine, and we're wondering, wow, who's in that car? And then we see the windows open. It's Elton John. We all go up with our clipboards, and uh, we ask for autographs. He gave every one of us an autograph. And, uh, really? On the subscription thing? Yeah, yeah. We go door oh, to door. <laughs> yeah. You know, and try to sell subscriptions for the LA Times. And I still remember that. Uh, so what a good a guy good to guy. do that. Even he's fucking, he's back, insane. back in the I, day, you know, he, he played in San Francisco a couple, two, three years ago, we went down to, to see the show and we were asked if we would come and say hello and, and met him briefly a couple of times, but went in, hung with him in his dressing room for 10, 15 minutes. He knew details about because I come from a family of tennis players. Uh, my dad was a tennis player. His brother was a tennis player. Their dad was a tennis player. He knew details about not just my dad, but about my uncle and my granddad's tennis careers. That How does he know that? I, mean, I, wow. I, I was stunned, literally. Fuck, how do you know this? He's a, a tennis fanatic, um, but he's also really... Uh, I think by by just uh, his personality is very curious and he's really interested and and he's always just engaging whether it's about music or whatever but he's just one of the greatest human beings uh, and so generous with he his is. time and his interest in and I've heard him on your show a couple times I mean and he's yeah. he just talks tells the great stories but it always comes from a place of of appreciation gratefulness and humility and it's never boasting or any weird shit like that you know he's just such a great human being oh he is i, I remember I, I went to see him and he was playing with billy joel the two of them were doing a show together it was an awesome show and in between he's he's waiting to go on he tells me come back with my daughter my daughter was a kid you know a little kid and he sat with like i'm like this guy's about to go on stage he sat with us for like 20 minutes talking to my daughter and like playing with her and I was like, man, this, this is too good to be true. I mean, this is like the nicest thing ever in the world that a guy would, would do this. But, um, wow. you know. Hey, yeah, there are people you, who actually like people, and they do that. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can't stand people. I wouldn't say, if I had to go on stage, I would go, fuck you. You and your kid get out of here right now. I got to get ready. Uh, I got to protect my voice. I can't be sitting yapping to you guys. But uh, did you hear that story? Remember? I don't know if you guys ever heard that. I went to your show, and I only got laid that night, but I pulled my, but two of us pulled our, our friend's pants off. It was like very, um, it was very erotic. It was some dude's <laughs> pants we took off. And we, we got so charged up from your from your uh, concert appearance that we literally started pulling our friend's pants off. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really oh, weird. I was like, I was super heterosexual that night and super gay that night. I was both things. Do you know what your music does to people? It makes we're, me crazy. We're happy, we're happy to, to elicit any response. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great. I mean, that's Well, that's as Kirk awesome. says, that's when you know you're a professional musician. That's, that's right. It. That's right, man. Uh, guys, congrats. Thank you a million times over. 
I love this band. I love you guys. And thank you for doing this today. And congratulations on the uh, 30 years of, uh, of, of of the Black Album. It's fantastic. And 41 thank years you. together as a band. It's yeah. awesome. Crazy. All right, guys. Thanks, thank Howard. you thank both you, Howard. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Metallica. Bye. Mighty Metallica. And congratulations. Thanks, Robin. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Love you. Wow. Well, that was something. Yeah, it was worth uh, waiting for. Listen, this will be the last time we do a show starting <laughs> at noon on a day off. Never I'm telling again. you now, if Jesus Christ himself says he wants to do an hour and a half with us on a Thursday afternoon, we're not doing it. All right. But for Metallica, I did it. I don't know. I don't know. You'll forget. <laughs> you may forget. What time is it? I don't even know. Do you know? I got a clock here, but it's in those weird. Oh, I got a clock here, but it's it says fourteen forty one, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that shit. Oh, that's military time. That's two forty one in military time. True, I was in the military, special ops during the Vietnam well, War. Yeah, but, you uh, remember? Yeah, <laughs> but I'm a little rusty with my military time. Uh, yeah, back in the day, I, I could tell you fourteen forty one is two forty one, and no time. But now. I thought it was 3 a.m. <laughs> I looked over. It should be. <laughs> yeah, what's with you guys giving me military time? Do I look like I'm in the military? Hi. I'm tired. Well, you know, I haven't had a bathroom break in all this time. It's me neither. Been, uh, very interesting. <laughs> I'm holding it in, but it's at that point where it's painful enough to be sort of beautiful. Oh, yes, yeah, it hurts. It's pain and pleasure. It's almost erotic. <laughs> uh, I love those guys. I love They're the great. Black Album. Mm. It is something. They are good people. guys. And I love how musicians, you know, because it's another realm they live in. They don't live in this world. And when they're talking music, that's a language they share with other musicians. And we can't necessarily. That's why you have to say, what's a click track? What's the, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Miley looking good. Oh, yeah. Sounding I like good the too. hair, the blonde hair, the platinum blonde. She's looking good. Yeah. Sounding great. Sounding great. Elton John popping on. We're like a... Elton looks fantastic. He looked good. He's no spring chicken. Whew. Oh, Mick Jagger's on the line. I knew he'd call in because he got jealous. Mick? Yeah. Hey, Mick, how are you? Hey, pretty good. I can do the show tomorrow at 2 p.m. We're going to start you up, baby. I'll tell you every sexual experience I've had with a celebrity. I can have you and the Stones on at 2 p.m. tomorrow? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I love that you. I love to chat with you. Come on, man. I'll sing Start Me Up. Ooh, you bet. <laughs> You're going to do <laughs> some <good>. songs, too? <laughs> wow. I swear, I think, you know, it's funny. If it was the Stones and they said tomorrow we can be on it, too? I think I would what have would to do. do it. Would you do it? I think I, yeah, I think I'd have to. You'd have to, right? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think any other band though, just the Stones. Because I was thinking, oh well, we'll never interview Charlie Watts. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit more after Mick and Keith anyway, so. But, but, but that was my thought when I was having that. I was like, Mick and Keith better get in here, right? Because you know. Time, I mean, things don't last forever. I think if Keith died, Mick would stop the Rolling Stones. And, of course, if if Mick died, forget it, the Stones are over. I mean, they only have one singer, but... I don't think that yeah. Mick would stop. If Keith dies? I do. Right. Oh, I no, do. he'd be so happy to go on the road without him. <laughs> I'd like to see Keith. Actually, he could have a guy playing guitar that he could actually talk to. <laughs> Well, I'd like to see Mick die, and then they do a journey kind of thing where they pull a kid in from the Philippines and start That's right. doing their thing. a Philippine thing. guy to sing yeah. those songs and sound just like Mick. Yeah. I'm just seeing a couple of fans wanted to say a few words about Metallica. But uh, I don't know. Should we? I mean, as it is, we're workaholics now all of a sudden. We're doing a show on <laughs> Thursday afternoon. Oh, Keith Richards is on the phone. He's upset. 
What's oh, up, Keith? Keith, too. Yeah. Uh, how's it? Um, I'll come in all three at, you know, 1 p.m. on Friday. 1 p.m. tomorrow? <laughs> okay, get out of here, you fucking maniac. Hey, Adrian from California. A couple of calls and we'll leave. Yes. And then we'll pee. Well, Howard, just called to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in on a Thursday and giving us Metallica for the hour and a half. Awesome well, this, show. Great This band. can't happen again. This cannot happen again on a Thursday. Ah, yes. Thank you. Thank you, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Hit again, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. Again, thank my you, mistress. Howard. Thank, thank you. Thank you, my Howard. You got to add in the, ah. Thank you. Thank you. I heard from Bubba the Love Sponge. He said we did a real good job on our first show back. said we sounded rested and energetic and funny. And then how did we sound the next day? (laughs) He didn't write me about the next day. He just was like, you guys sound, and I go, you know, Bubba, that's good coming from you because you know how hard it is to put all this shit together. So right. thank you for that. Let's go to uh, Chris. I was such a jerk today. I thought, well, I'm not going to let a special time of the show fuck me up. So I got up. It was raining. Because Beth and I have the same routine. We eat breakfast and then we go for a walk. And I was like, just because we're doing a show at noon, I got it all worked out. I'll, um, I'll get up, go for my walk, eat my breakfast, go for a walk come back, eat lunch, take a little schnooze, you know, eat lunch at like 10.30, take a schnooze, and then interview Metallica. I got it all figured out. What time would lunch normally be? 11. So I figured I'd get in a half hour earlier. Okay. And then I fucked up my whole schedule. We went for the walk. It started pouring on us. We were soaking wet. I went on too long a walk. And so you got caught in the rain and it was hard to get back because it's just. Yeah, then I had a shower. You. <laughs> I washed my hair. 